It's great to welcome all of you to this kind of second holiday weekend. It's great to have uh, family here. I watched uh, family come visit over the last uh, couple of weekends. It's been, um, it's been great. Any, any, um, any Clemson fans in here? Uh, there's one. <laughs> any Alabama fans? <laughs> Who cares? We are in ACC territory. It'll be a great game. I want you to think of an important someone from your past, from your past. Perhaps he or she has moved away or passed away. Maybe a grandmother or a grandfather, mother or father, sister, brother, a close friend with whom you walked, a confidant, someone important, you highly valued, respected. You have that person in your mind? Now, why? What was it about this person in your mind right now which caused you to think of him or her? Maybe it was their deep love for you, even when you were unlovable. Or maybe their words of comfort, wisdom, encouragement, affirmation, always when you seem to need it most. Maybe it was walking with you during a difficult time. When everyone else deserted you, they didn't. Maybe it was their tangible expressions of love through gifts or service or one of those other love languages. Maybe he or she was your confidant, the one that you could talk to about anything, and they would listen without judgment. Maybe it was their spiritual lives, their deep faith in Christ, and the way that they lived that out before you. What is it that makes that person special to you? We are studying through the famous 11th chapter of Hebrews, the the Hall of Faith. The, The author selects a seemingly random sampling of Old Testament characters, heroes whose lives bear the hallmarks of faith. We've seen several already, which while may at first be obscure, once we've read their respective stories, it makes sense how that they would make the list. Abel, by by faith, offered right worship, and it cost him his life. Enoch, by faith, he only lived 365 years in a time when people were living much longer, but he walked out of this world into the presence of God because he had this testimony He walked with God, that he was pleasing to God, never tasted death. Noah, of course, believed God, built a boat, and by which he saved his family and the bunch of animals. Abraham and and Sarah, (laughs) did they live a life of faith or what? I mean, their story covers uh, more of chapter 11 than anyone else, and and no wonder. They believed God and, and moved from their homeland. They believed his promises, like the one about the land of promise, even though they never received the land. They believed his promises, about, especially that one about having a, uh, children. Son, Abraham believed God when God told him to sacrifice that son. Their whole story is one of amazing faith. It was a great three-week miniseries. But, but now we get to the next three The next three that we're going to cover this morning, three in one morning. No, this is not a New Year's resolution. (laughs) 
I want you to think of that person in your mind. How many of you have someone in your mind who got there because of the way they died? Well, unless they left you gobs of money, probably not. I want you to think of the five that we've already studied, fairly significant events in their lives that demonstrate faith. Now let me give you the names of the next three guys, one at a time, and I want you to think about what you know about their lives. No peeking at Hebrews 11, by the way. All eyes forward. What was it about Isaac which demonstrated great faith? Well, Certainly, it had to be when he allowed Father Abraham to to bind him and raise the knife in preparation for sacrifice. Or maybe it was when he believed he was the son of promise, just as God said that a great nation would come through him, even when his wife, Rebecca, was barren, according to Genesis 25. Why, in fact, Isaac prayed, and God opened her womb, and she conceived. That was some great act of faith, was it not? What about the next one on the list? Jacob. That's a little more challenging, isn't it? I mean, you can probably think of all kinds of bad things that he did. Stealing the firstborn blessing from Esau, deceiving his father and his father-in-law. Four wives, which is about two or three too many. Just kidding, it's three too many. His his favoritism toward uh, Joseph, that coat of many colors thing. But I suppose if we search, we might find some great acts of faith. There was that time he was fleeing his... Brother Esau, and he had a dream. <laughs> it was so good, someone wrote a song about it, Stairway to Heaven. He, he, he built an altar to the Lord. When he was coming back to the land of promise, God himself met, uh, met him, and Jacob wrestled with God all night. It was then that his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. Perhaps it was when he went down to Egypt to see Joseph, and he blessed Pharaoh. I mean, these are some great acts of faith. Well, the third character is none other than Joseph himself. I mean, his amazing story is covered from Genesis 37 to 50. Now, I know that some of you think we never studied the Old Testament, but how quickly you forget. We did a 13-week study of the life of Joseph once. Now, I don't know about you, but I can think of lots of ways that he demonstrated his faith, the way he lived out his faith, his his dreams, his, his faithfulness to his father, his faithfulness as a steward to Potiphar, his faithfulness when tempted by Potiphar's wife, his faithfulness in prison, his faithfulness to God in the midst of all of that, his faithfulness to, to his job as prime minister, his faithfulness to, to rescue all of Egypt, in fact, the entire then-known world, and his care for his backstabbing brothers. I mean, the guy's story could fill Hebrews 11. What, why does he make it there? Before we read the text, let me remind you, it's December 30th, time for New Year's resolution. Maybe, maybe you're wondering what to resolve to do. Maybe these guys have something worth emulating, a life of faith, or maybe, maybe a death of faith. Read the text with me. It's in Hebrews 11, three short verses, verses 20 to 22 say this. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. That's it? By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. I mean, that's it? 
By faith, Joseph, when he was, there's going to be, we're going to go for chapters now. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Is anyone else surprised? Of all of the things that could have gotten these three, Abraham's son, his grandson, and his great-grandson into the hall of faith, that's it? Isaac, blessing Jacob and Esau as he neared death. Jacob, blessing Joseph's son from his deathbed. Joseph, when he's dying, giving instructions about his, about his bones. Really, that's the best you've got? Move over, author of Hebrews. I can do better than that. And then I remember, well, this was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What, what was it about these three guys and these three events that captured his attention, which made it into the eternal word of God, into Hebrews chapter 11? And, and further, what are his readers, which includes us, by the way, to learn from these rather surprising stories that you maybe don't even remember happening? Well, let's look at the three stories, try to determine what's special about them, and then what we're supposed to do about it. Start with Isaac. We've already looked at the beginning of the history with Abraham and Sarah. He was the son of promise, born to Abraham when he was 100 and Sarah was about 91. You, you may remember that his name means laughter because both parents laughed. <laughs> Don't be hard on Sarah. Both parents laughed when they heard about his promised birth. You'd laugh too if you were over 90 and I told you you were going to have a baby by this time next year. Of course, laughter took on a different meaning when Laughter filled their hearts and their home at the birth of, of Isaac. We pick up Isaac's story in earnest in Genesis 24. Sarah has died, and Abraham um, gives his oldest servant, probably Eliezer, instructions to go back to Haran and find a wife for Isaac from his father's family. It, it's actually kind of a cool story. The servant prays that God will reveal which woman, which woman is to be Isaac's wife. Lord, uh, w- w- would the one who offers me something to drink and offers to water my camels, would she be the one? And that's no small task, by, by the way. Enter Rebecca, Isaac's in, uh, distant cousin. By the time the story is finished, we, he finds out Rebecca is indeed related and agrees to go back with the servant to marry Isaac. Isaac is about 40 when he marries her. As I said earlier, Rebecca was barren at first, but, but Isaac prayed for her and, and she conceived Jacob and Esau. Esau was the older since he came out first. He was therefore Isaac's favorite, the right of primogeniture, or the right of the firstborn. But Jacob uh, was Rebecca's favorite. Any babies of the family here? Well, you know your mom's favorite. We don't like you. (laughs) Just a side note, all three of these, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, were not the firstborn. I find that interesting. It was Ishmael and Isaac, and Esau and Jacob, and the ten older brothers and, and Joseph. But God, you see, determined who would be the sons of promise. So it was actually when we hear at Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, and, and Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, who become, it is they who become part of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it is not actually Manasseh and Ephraim, is it? It's Ephraim and Manasseh. And yet Manasseh is the oldest. God determines and sovereignly carries out his plan. So I would say to you, 
The circumstances of your birth matter nothing to God. He has sovereignly chosen you. There are some other stories about Isaac, but, but let's jump to, to, to the one the author of Hebrews records. It's found in Genesis 27. Isaac is actually near the end of his, de- of his life. He's close to death. So he was to bless his sons before he dies. You see, the father's blessing then was very important. So he told um, Esau, his favorite, to go uh, kill, kill me something and, and bring me some of my favorite stew, at which point he will bless him. But Rebecca overhears the conversation, so she prepares a stew before Esau returns and sends her favorite, Jacob, in to the almost blind, that's an important part of the story, to the almost blind Isaac with the stew to receive the firstborn blessing. Jacob succeeds in fooling his father, receives the blessing. Soon thereafter, Esau comes in and receives a blessing also. It's exciting, isn't it? It is this story of all stories that the author of Hebrews records. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau even regarding things to come. Now, that seems important. What were the things to come? Let me give you a little hint. It was regarding the fulfillment of the promises yet to come. Well, let's look at faithful Jacob. Is that the, is that the name that comes to mind when, when you think of that deceitful, lying, manipulative guy? Faithful Jacob. I won't take time to recur all of his story either. It covers Genesis 25 to 50, lots of chapters. But, but when, the boys, when, they, when they were boys, Jacob weaseled Esau out of the firstborn blessing. Later, he deceived, again, his own father, as we just read, received the blessing. And as a result, he had to flee Esau to his mother's family in Haran. Yes, on the way, he had that dream, and and the Lord reiterated the promises of Abraham and Isaac. He now reiterates them to, to Jacob. That seems kind of important. Not mentioned. Well, in Haran, he marries those two sisters, Rachel and Leah, and then later their handmaids, Bella and Zilpah, through those four were born 12 sons, one daughter. The 12 become the 12 tribes of Israel. Sort of, won't get into that. After 20 years, he eventually makes his way back to Canaan, back to the land of promise. Now, Jacob's favorite son was the firstborn of his favorite wife, Rachel. See, that's why you only have one wife. Because inevitably, one will be a favorite. His favorite wife, Rachel. The, the boy's name was Joseph, and his little full brother was Benjamin, the last two sons born to Jacob. He gave Joseph that special coat, signifying that he was the favorite, and, 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 and it signified Joseph's place of preeminence. And as a result, the, the, the brothers are jealous, and they sold Joseph into slavery in Egypt. They, they told dad that he had been killed. We'll cover his story in a moment, but Joseph ends up getting married and having two sons, again, Manasseh and Ephraim. Later, when Jacob discovers his favorite son is still alive in Egypt, and because of a famine in the land, he moves his entire family, 70 in all, to Egypt. There he's reunited with his, his son and, and lives 17 more years. And on his deathbed, he calls for Joseph, remember the favorite son, to bring his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, to him for a blessing. He's dying, and he wants to give them a special blessing. In fact, they take Joseph's place, if you will, to become two of the 
12 tribes. Again, a bit confusing, but they become two of the 12 tribes. I'm not going to go into further detail, but when Joseph brings his own sons to his father, Jacob, for a blessing, it is this story of all stories about Jacob that the author of Hebrews records. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. That's a quote from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. If you read it in the Old Hebrew Old Testament, it says worshiping in his bed. Both are probably true. It's not a problem. That's it. Yeah, well, that brings us to the third name, Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph. His story really begins in Genesis 37. Great story, filled again with faithfulness. Uh, Joseph living out his faith. Yes, because of jealousy, he sold in, into slavery in Egypt. But when he got there uh, uh, in Potiphar, the captain of the guard's house, he was faithful. And as a result, God blessed him. He had the Midas touch. Everything he touched prospered. But he also caught the attention of Potiphar's wife, who tries to seduce him. But, but Joseph rightly and faithfully refused. As a result, he's sent to prison. But, but even there, he was faithful, and God gave him the ability to interpret dreams. Not his own, but that of the cupbearer and the, and the baker. Eventually, Pharaoh hears about this ability, calls for Joseph to interpret his own troubling uh, dreams. He does, and as a result, he's promoted to prime minister of all Egypt. He's given a wife by whom he fathers Manasseh and, and Ephraim. Soon, per Pharaoh's dreams, after seven years of plenty, there are seven years of famine. You know this. This is Old Testament Genesis story. His, his father, Jacob, and his brothers here, there's food in Egypt, and so the brothers are sent to buy some food. And It's a rather intriguing story. I won't take the time to recount it, but eventually Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and tells them, go get dad, and everybody move to Egypt. Jacob is overcome with joy, moves his family to Egypt, reunites with his favorite son. 17 years later, he thinks he's on his deathbed, but 17 years later, in Genesis 50, the last chapter of Genesis, finally Jacob dies. They, they take their father's body to Canaan, the, the land of promise, to bury him there in the, in the place of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah, where they were buried. And then they all return to Egypt. But by the time we get to the end of Genesis 50... It's now Joseph's turn to die at the age of 110. And the last two verses of Genesis, the last two verses of Genesis 50 read, Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. And of all stories, all the great stories of faith, that could be told about Joseph. The author of Hebrews refers to the last two verses of Genesis 50. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Really? That's all you got? Let's move on. There's not a lot of action here, Scott. By the way, this is the only place in the New Testament that the departure of the Israelites under Moses is referred to as the Exodus. Not necessarily the point, well, sort of. It, it was, when you leave, take my bones with you. So what do you do with those stories? Well, why of all the stories do you pick these? 
We must remember the purpose of the letter. He's writing to Jewish believers who knew these stories by heart. They were facing opposition they were cons- um, because of their faith in Jesus and were considering abandoning their new faith. And so he writes to warn them, yes, we've seen several of those. Uh, don't quit. There is no sacrifice for sin, no forgiveness for sin outside of Jesus. But now in chapter 11, he's encouraging them. I want you to persevere. So let me give you some examples of those who persevered. Isaac uh, and Jacob and Joseph. How do they persevere? Until their dying breath. That's the point. Consider the patriarchs. Remember Abraham and Sarah? Back at verse 9, he even mentions Isaac and Jacob. They believed. And then verses 13 and following, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They never received the promises, but they believed until, until their dying breath and passed it on to their children. That's the point. Consider Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. They died without receiving the promise. Isaac with a couple of sons, no, no great nation, only one of them a son of promise, no land. Jacob and Joseph, perhaps a little closer to nationhood if you count 70 as a nation. They both died in Egypt. So they all died without receiving the promises, but they died believing. How do we know? That's the author's point in selecting these stories. Look at them. Isaac blessed the boys, Jacob and Esau. What was the blessing? Isaac's blessing to Jacob is found in Genesis 27. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and may your mother's sons, that's Esau, bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. Certainly he blesses Jacob with prosperity. This was typical of the blessings of the day. But notice he mistakenly, though rightly, blesses Jacob with supremacy over his brothers. And then he gives him the very blessing of Abraham. Right from Genesis 12. Cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. He mistakenly, though rightly, blessed Jacob as the son of promise. The promises that God made to Abraham will be carried on through you. Passing on his faith. And he's believing it until he dies, though he never received it. He blessed Esau as well, just as Hebrews notes later in Genesis 27, but with not near as much material prosperity. Here's the point. Hebrews 11:20 says Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau even regarding things to come. He went to his grave on his dying deathbed and blessed Jacob, the son of promise, with the promises that he died believing but never received. 
but he died in faith. And so these readers were thinking about quitting. You ever thought about quitting? You ever thought about abandoning the faith of your parents? He died believing. What about Jacob? He does the same thing. By faith from his deathbed, Jacob blessed the two sons of Joseph. That story is found in Genesis 48. He blessed Joseph by blessing the boys and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel has redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. And, and may my name live on in them and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. This is clearly the b- blessing of Abraham, promised to Abraham through Isaac, Jacob, and now to Joseph's sons. He believed the promise. May they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. He died believing the promises made to to his grandfather and to his father and to himself. That he believed that they would eventually be fulfilled even though he pronounced them on his deathbed in Egypt and he never lived to see them, he believed them. It's not all verse in Hebrew. The verse in Hebrews 11 says, By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. That last part is actually at the end of Genesis 47, before the boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, aren't even there. It's before he blessed them. There we read, the end of his life has come, so he calls for Joseph to give him some instructions, namely about his coming burial. Where do you think Joseph got it from? About his coming burial. He sees passing on his faith. We read these words in the last two verses of Genesis 47. Jacob speaking to Joseph, but when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And Joseph said, I will do as you said. And he said, swear to me. And Joseph swore to him. Then Israel, that's Jacob, bowed in worship at the head of the bed on the top of his staff. What's the point? Jacob knew while he lived comfortably in in Egypt as royalty for the last 17 years of his life, that Egypt was not his home. Bury me with my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, in the land of promise. That's where I belong. What about Joseph? We've already looked at the, uh, at the verses in Genesis 50 to, to which Hebrews refers, by faith, jo- Joseph, when he was dying. He's on his deathbed. He's in Egypt. But he believed. Believed What? He believed the promises of God. How do we know? Because he knew the day would come to this great budding nation that he would return to receive the land of promise. So sure was he that he said, take my bones with you when you go in the Exodus. Think about that. Joseph was sold into slavery. He'd been in Egypt since he was 17 years old. He dies at 110. He spent 93 years. Most of that time as the prime minister in Egypt from the time he was 30. But he knew Egypt was not his home. Do we understand that? This pl- I don't care how successful you've been, prime minister, CEO, 
big bank accounts, 401, it doesn't matter. I don't care how much land you own. I've lived in North Carolina for 22 years. People ask me, where are you from? I say North Carolina. Really? Now, to be clear, I'm proud to be from North Carolina. But is this place really my home? No. No. I am looking for a country of my own, a heavenly one, a city whose architect and builder is God. Joseph died by faith, believing the promises. Here's the simple question for you. Will you? How does this encourage his readers to include us? Yes, the going may be getting a little bit more challenging and becoming even more so. Yes, persecution, opposition, maybe even martyrdom. Uh, might be right around the corner. You say, here in a who would have thought we'd be where we are now? Certainly ridicule. But I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters, that this is all true. I want to say to you, die in the faith, believing the promises of God, the truth of Jesus, who although you do not see him, you believe in him. He is who the Bible says he is. He died. He was raised again the third day. Do you understand there's a difference between us and these patriarchs? Because we look back to a large measure of fulfillment of the promises, not all of them. And because we haven't seen all of them, some of you are tempted to walk away. And so he encourages us and he warns us, look to these people who died in faith. Go to your graves, to your last breath, believing the promises of God. Yes, we see the fulfillment of the first coming of Jesus, but there is a second one yet to come. Go to your dying breath, believing that he's coming for you.